You're listening to the Nonprofit Buildup Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Campbell. I want to support movements that can interrupt cycles of injustice and inequity and shift power towards vulnerable and marginalized communities. I've spent years working in and with nonprofits and philanthropies, and I know how important infrastructure is to outcomes. On this show, we'll talk about how to build capacity to transform the way you and your organization work. Hi, everyone. This week on the Nonprofit Buildup, we're talking with Dr. Randall Pinkett. Randall is an entrepreneur, speaker, author, and scholar, and a leading voice in business, technology, diversity, and inclusion. He's the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of his fifth venture, BCT Partners, a multi-million dollar research, training, consulting, technology, and data analytics firm headquartered in Newark, New Jersey. BCT's mission is to provide insights about diverse people that lead to equity, and the company has been named to Black Enterprises BE 100 list of the nation's largest African-American-owned businesses. Randall has received numerous awards for entrepreneurial excellence, including the Congressional Minority Business Award, National Society of Black Engineers Entrepreneur of the Year Award, and National Urban League's Business Excellence Award. He's an expert in several areas relating to emerging technologies, big data analytics, social innovation, culture, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and is a regular contributor on MSNBC, CNN, and Fox Business News. This episode was recorded last summer when the pursuit of equity moved from the margins and into mainstream conversation in the United States. And Randall talks about BCT's work in this space and the successes and challenges within the for-profit sector as a Black-owned business. Randall shines a light on what it means to be a for-profit company focused on social impact, how nonprofit and for-profit entities can build win-win relationships, and the role of technology in creating leverage and pursuing equity. Listen to the powerful tools that BCT has created to determine community services using precision analytics. It's incredible. Randall really highlights the role of for-profit companies that are focused on social impact and the role that the for-profit sector can play in building and supporting equity. He offers advice to nonprofits and funders on the role of infrastructure and how to leverage big data to better understand and support stakeholders in determining community needs. It's such a thoughtful, innovation-rich conversation. And with that, here is Dr. Randall Pinkett. Randall, I am so excited to have you join us for our Fast Build Leader Series. And to get us started, can you tell us about BCT Partners, your role there, and what BCT Partners is focused on, particularly now, given our current environment? Well, it's good to be with you, Nicole, and thank you for the invitation to be a part of this conversation. I am the chairman and CEO and one of the co-founders of BCT Partners. We're proud to celebrate 20 years this year for BCT, and we're just named to the Forbes list of America's top management consulting companies and also the Black Enterprise list of the largest Black-owned businesses in the country. Our mission at BCT is to provide insights about diverse people that lead to equity and there's three key words in that mission, insights, diversity, and equity. I'll begin and work backwards. Equity is our end game, and we work in a number of different sectors, housing, community development, economic development, 
children and families, workforce development, healthcare, all sectors that deal with healthy communities, what it means to create and foster healthy, thriving communities. That's where we focus on achieving equity. From an insights perspective, historically, we've leveraged a lot of different tools, but more recently, we've begun to really focus in on data analytics as a big focus for our practice. And our mission, in some ways, insights to action and action to equity. The insights to action is around analytics and being data-driven. And then the action to equity is around building capacity of nonprofits to achieve equity in the work that they do. And then lastly, diversity. We're living in an increasingly diverse society and nonprofits are all asking the question, how do I better understand? How do I better serve? How do I better support the diverse stakeholders that are embedded within my mission? And we're here to work with them in that whole that whole continuum of providing insights to be data-driven that can lead to action, building capacity that can create better action to get to equity, and supporting diverse stakeholders and diverse communities along that entire continuum. So I really like that, Randall, insights, diversity, and equity. And I particularly like how you're talking about building the capacity of organizations to actually do the work and have the impact in the communities that they're serving. I know that you're a for-profit company. So why this focus on social impact and not just on profit? We're big believers in being mission-driven and making a difference in society. I have three business partners with whom I've been in business for 27 years. We were classmates at Rutgers University. And I'm proud to say we're not only still business partners, we're still friends. We still like each other. (laughs) But when we were in college, We sat around the cafeteria table and asked ourselves the question, how can we make a difference? How can we have an impact? And we were all engineers. So at the time, technology was and still is a core component of the work that we envisioned. But to your point, we have the entrepreneurial spirit, but it's not just about making a dollar. It's about making a difference. And so we are very mission-driven. It's a part of who we are and what we do. And we believe that we're all called to do something in this world that benefits others. We just happen to channel that energy through a for-profit that works with nonprofits. That's how we've answered that call. I think that's really terrific. And speaking of technology to help create leverage for organizations and pursue equity, I know that BCP has an equitable impact platform. I wonder if you could talk more about the platform and the products and how nonprofit organizations could take advantage of it, funders, communities that they're serving. Absolutely. So we have pioneered an approach to leveraging administrative data that we call precision analytics. And when I say administrative data, I'm not talking about new data collection, but data that's sitting in a a case management system, electronic health record system, a program management system, any system to manage the delivery of programs and services. And precision analytics is a playoff of precision medicine. Precision medicine says I can build and create a drug that is uniquely tailored to your DNA, your biology. Precision analytics says I can take your administrative data and I can give you a recommendation, a prescription, a prescriptive analytic set of insights of what's the right mix of services to maximize success for an individual or for a community. And we do that by leveraging machine learning and artificial intelligence and predictive and prescriptive analytics. But we can be very, very precise in not only offering a prescription of what's the right mix of services, but also what is a very granular way of thinking about that according to different demographic groups, what we call matched comparison groups. 
And the equitable impact platform takes that precision analytics engine and puts it on steroids because it takes that information and it makes it geospatial, which means we can now look at specific census tract and we can ask what's the right mix of services, whether it's employment, housing, education, health, criminal justice, the right mix of services for that community. And then we can do two things, offer a prescription, which I just mentioned, and if you are to follow that prescription, what is the prediction of how you can move the needle on community well-being and the equip the equitable impact platform takes IRS 990 data for all nonprofits, 325,000. It takes uh, census American community survey data and combines that to be able to run these kinds of analyses and offer these kinds of recommendations and insights. Wow. So I am really excited and I want to talk more about this because I'm thinking of the executive director or the CEO of a grassroots organization, a smaller organization, a smaller nonprofit organization who's listening to that and is saying, wow, this could really help us, but we're too small to take advantage of this or how will we ever be able to afford this or have access to this? And what would you say to those organizations as to how they could take advantage of this platform, which sounds amazing? Well, the good news is that in the era of big data, these tools are not that expensive. In the era we live in, we are able to deliver some very powerful tools right to your mobile phone, right to your tablet, right to your desktop computer at a very low price. You know, it's the whole software as a service model, which says you have a modest subscription fee to gain access to very powerful tools. And that's what we've done. And and in fact, we have a free product of the Equitable Impact Platform called the COVID-19 Urgent Service Provider Tool, which we call CUSP. So again, Equip is a platform upon which we can build lots of different products. CUSP The COVID-19 Urgent Service Provider Tool is a product we've built on top of Equip, and it's free. You can go to cusp.equitableimpact.com, and you can access a tool that can help you analyze nonprofit data, analyze communities to determine which organizations are best positioned to address which issues juxtaposed against a live feed of COVID-19 data. That's free and available right now. I think that's really amazing because just a couple of thoughts that come immediately to mind about how nonprofit organizations in the sector could be using CUS. And that's one with funders who come in and say, we have an idea of all of the different grantees and organizations that we're working with. We have a, a, the ability to see across fields. And we think this is going to be helpful to these cohorts of organizations that they can bring together. Organizations themselves could actually use it in their own strategic planning of the, the platform as well as the cusp tool, which is free, as you mentioned. So I think that these resources are amazing. And with all of the work that you're doing in this space, in this area, Randall, I wonder if you have any advice for nonprofit organizations, particularly in the area of technology and being able to leverage technology to get them where they want to go. What would you say to them as they're trying to raise funds? They're in this environment of COVID-19. They're in this environment of social unrest. How do they step up? How do they start to fulfill their mission using or leveraging technology? That's a great question, Nicole, and it's a timely one. And here's what I would say to that is, if I layer COVID-19 on top of civil unrest, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, among the many important questions that are being lifted up is to what extent is a racial equity lens 
guiding the work that you do. And let's take it a level deeper, getting back to what you said about technology and data. Every nonprofit has a set of stakeholders that they are seeking to support or issues they're looking to address. And it begs the question, no one understand, and are you disaggregating your data to know the extent to which you are or are not serving different populations effectively? And more specifically, are you serving black people, African-Americans, Latinos, certain ethnic and racial groups effectively, or are you not disaggregating your data to know the extent to which that is or is not the case? And technology and data give us the ability to slice and dice our data, assuming we're collecting the right data, which is a whole other conversation, to really get down to a level where we can understand which populations we serve well, which ones we don't. And getting back to our earlier conversation about precision analytics, what's working and for whom and what's not working and for whom. Because then we can be far more strategic at addressing these inequities because we have the data around where those inequities lie. And what you're really talking about, which resonates, is this connection between technology and data to getting you to racial equity, being able to leverage those things to have a racial equity lens to the work that you're doing, which, as you mentioned, creates better solutions, help you become a more strategic problem solver. And, you know, a lot of times we don't hear that technology and data are being used that way. So I really like how you talked about that. And if we look on it on the other side, then Randall, and we're thinking of the funders who are funding these organizations to do this amazing work, what advice are you offering to them? Another great question, Nicole. And, and here the advice is the needs of communities lead the way as we think about how we make investments not necessarily the needs of the service provider, meaning let's look down to the community level and ask the question, are there communities that aren't getting enough services? Are there communities that are getting too many services? Are we over-investing in certain areas or under-investing in others? An organizational lens won't answer that question, but a community racial equity lens will give us the tools to know which communities are not getting what they need and therefore, we can drive our investments to address the need. And again, technology and data are one of the tools that give us those insights. But then it's, of course, incumbent upon us as, as funders to make sure that we're partnering with the right organizations that have proven and have evidence-based programs and services and a demonstrated ability to achieve impact with the communities and populations that we endeavor to serve. I really like what you're saying, Randall. And the reason that it's resonating so much with me is that the conversations that I've had in the sector around data and technology have been separate from racial equity. It's sort of you use the data to come up with some numbers and then you go into the strategic planning process around racial equity. And what you're really talking about is, no, it's parcel of the same thing. You actually mm -hmm. cannot come up with a comprehensive solution using a racial equity lens unless you're really leveraging technology and data. So I just like how you're talking about that strategically and putting them together. You're a for-profit organization that is focused on having social impact, is mission-driven. I usually ask the question uh, to nonprofit leaders about what they think the sector should be doing less of, but I want to twist that question a little bit for you and ask, what do you think 
for-profits should be doing less of and what should they be doing more when it comes to working with nonprofit organizations, working with communities that are vulnerable and marginalized, knowing that they do have a business model to maintain. But what are you seeing based on what BCT Partners is doing that you think that organizations, for-profit organizations on the whole should be doing less of? What should we be doing more of? We've never been busier than we are right now when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Do a lot of work around a DEI, strategic planning and assessments and training. And our phone has been ringing off the hook, Nicole. And that's a good thing. And if you're listening, call us if we don't mind more calls. <laughs> but having said that, when we think about DEI, we think about in four domains. We think about the workforce diversity, who you hire, who you recruit, the workplace diversity and inclusion, who gets promoted and how do we treat each other in the places that we work. We think about the marketplace, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Who are you serving as a for-profit to your question? And how do you best understand and are most responsive to the needs of those marketplace stakeholders? But the last one really gets at your question, which is community. And I would argue that it's probably in that last domain that companies aren't doing enough. Meaning most are doing workforce and workplace if they're doing anything at all. Some of them through like multicultural marketing might be thinking about the diversity of their customers. But when we think about the community, when I think about Minneapolis, Minnesota, when I think about Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all of what we're seeing with the civil unrest in our country, now, of course, we're seeing companies making statements and making commitments to investments because now this issue has been lifted up so sufficiently that it's high on the radar. But before George Floyd, it was completely off the radar to the same extent that it is now. So I think we need to be doing more to put some real teeth behind these commitments and investments that are really going to address systemic and institutional racism, given the moment that we're in, that that moment can become a movement. And I think we need to do less of talking the talk. And I've seen organizations make statements, Nicole, and I've seen their employees call them out saying, you've done nothing up until now. So let's do less of the talk and more of the walk so that we can really finally get at what's under the hood on systemic institutional racism that we're not in this place a year from now. I like that. Less talk and more walk. And along those lines, let's say you have a corporation who says, you know what? I agree, Randall. I'm going to do more walk and I want to fund an organization or I want to enter into a partnership with a nonprofit organization because I've identified a community that needs the help and I'm coming with resources and funding. How do you think about structuring that partnership with, between the for-profit and the nonprofit? What are things that we should keep in mind? And when we're thinking of funding relationships where the for-profit says we want to fund a nonprofit that's doing great work, what advice are you giving to that for-profit and even to the nonprofit as they enter into that sort of relationship that might be brand new? My advice is to really seek out relationships that are win-win. It can't be a for-profit coming in feeling like they are doing the nonprofit a favor by supporting them. Like this is purely charitable, unidirectional in its relationship. No, nonprofits bring a lot to the table and have a lot of value to offer to a for-profit in a partnership. So let's think about how this can be structured as a true win-win where everyone sees value in the relationship and there's no paternalistic fantasy that this is a one-directional street. And more specifically, 
as a for-profit, there's a, a certain set of products and services you're looking to offer to the marketplace. How can a partnership help to amplify? How can you add value? So if you're a for-profit that is doing work around technology, great example, then is there a way that through your technology, you can amplify the work of nonprofits? Can you bring your talents, your treasure, and your time that can add value to a nonprofit? And then can the nonprofit therefore also add value back to you in terms of how that is informing your community engagement, your agenda for how you engage diverse communities, how you think about your diverse marketplace, how you think about diverse customers and communities in which they're already engaged so that it really is symbiotic in how both organizations benefit. And that's going to make the partnership that much more real and that much more sustainable, that much more lasting. I think it's so important what you're pointing out that nonprofits should think and realize that they have a lot of assets that they're bringing to the table. They're bringing a lot of resources. They're also bringing value to that partnership because I think often, at least from the conversations I've been having with a lot of leaders of nonprofits, particularly the smaller organizations, they don't think they have a lot of leverage when they're coming to the table, so to speak, with a for-profit partner. And so to hear you say that, I think it's just important to really reiterate that it is not, as you said, a one-directional type of relationship and that each party is receiving something of value from the other. So, you know, Randall, a lot of what I do, all I do is really focus on infrastructure and that's building the framework of an organization to support its programmatic work and the programmatic outcomes that it wants to have. And so we look at things like governance and organizational development within the organization itself. How is its teams set up? How are the people in the right seats? And then even external structuring. Are you, do you have the right vehicle to do the kind of work that you want to do? And if you're engaged in grant making, what does that grant making process look like? So with all of those things in mind, when you think about building the infrastructure of an organization, how does that then play out in or ensuring the sustainability of programmatic outcomes? You talked about equity being a key focus of what you do. How does the infrastructure of BCT partners help create that sort of sustainability and help you deliver on that promise? Well, well you're going to appreciate my lead-in to my answer, Nicole. <laughs> I believe the work you're doing is critically important. And I believe one of the greatest tragedies of how the nonprofit philanthropic sector has evolved over the past 10 years is this idea of program grants. This idea that I can only fund the program and not fund the infrastructure. You have got to be kidding me. You cannot have the orange without the peel. I'm going to say that again. You cannot have the orange without the peel. So if you want to just strip off the orange and not fund the peel, you're not funding the orange. So your points and your work, Nicole, I told you you're going to appreciate my lead-in. You know, your work around infrastructure is the foundation of how the work gets done. And so for us at BCT, for you and your organization, for any nonprofit listening, for funders and philanthropists who are investing, infrastructure is the beginning and the end. <laughs> like, so, and it's critically important for us when we think about our back office, our accounting, our systems, our human infrastructure our processes, our policies, like all of that stuff is what powers our enterprise. And if we don't get that right, we can't scale, we can't achieve efficiencies, we can't achieve economies of scope. I mean, it undermines everything that we do. And so I credit our president 
my business partner, Lawrence Hibbert, who's the equivalent of our chief operating officer. He's our president. I'm CEO. I handle all of the outward facing stuff, marketing, sales, customer relationship management. I get to do webinars with people like Nicole Campbell and Lawrence handles the back office. He handles the infrastructure and makes sure that that is, is an efficient, well-oiled machine so we can build a successful enterprise. I really like that, Randall. You cannot have the orange without the peel. I'm going to use that because when you're talking about infrastructure powering the enterprise, it really resonates. And to hear you say, listen, without infrastructure, without strengthening it, we cannot scale and it really will undermine everything you do if you have a weak infrastructure. So I did really appreciate that response. So Randall, your responses have been so insightful, so thoughtful, and I really like the perspective that you've brought being not within the nonprofit sector as a nonprofit organization, but as a for-profit company that's mission-driven and really focused on social impact. I want to ask you a question to help us continue to build knowledge through books and people we should learn from or about to close us out. What book do you think we should read next or what artist do you think we should be paying attention to? I'll give you two answers in the book. One that is wholly self-serving and the other that actually probably gets to the spirit of your question. So we're talking a lot about civil unrest and racial equity. My last book was Black Faces in White Places, which looks at the experiences of African-Americans, industries, including the nonprofit sector, where we are underrepresented. And I interviewed dozens of African-Americans across multiple sectors, entrepreneurs, nonprofit executive directors, foundation executives, corporate CEOs, and distilled what have been the strategies that they've used to navigate environments we're underrepresented, but still maintain a sense of self. And I think it raises up a lot of important questions and conversations that we're having right now about racial equity. I'd also add to that, another book I found to be fascinating is a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. And the simple idea is if you're competing in the marketplace, you can either compete in the red ocean where there's existing competition and it's crowded and you can get real bloody, hence the red ocean or you can look to, to establish a whole new marketplace where there is no competition, an uncontested space. Great example from the book is Cirque du Soleil. You know, you ask the question, what is Cirque du Soleil? And the answer is Cirque du Soleil. Like there's, there's nothing like it. It's not the circus. It's not the movies. It's not theater. It is Cirque du Soleil. They exist in their own space. They have no competition. I mean, they do, but they don't. And so for any nonprofit leader, for-profit leader, civic leader, government leader, you have to ask the question, what are the uncontested spaces that I should be exploring because it doesn't currently exist? You know, and there's a time when things like big data didn't exist, when things like case management systems didn't exist and somebody created it. And that's the kind of innovative thinking I think we need to apply to all sectors because that's where innovation really does get fostered. So thanks so much for both of those recommendations, Randall. I think Blue Ocean Strategy is a great recommendation, particularly for the reason you stated, like to think about the uncontested spaces that you as a nonprofit organization should be exploring. And I think that's really pushing organizations to think outside the box and think outside their status quo. And of course, I really appreciate the recommendation of Black Faces in White Places that you have <laughs> written. And you know, Randall, one last question on that, because I do want to raise this and give you the opportunity to, to talk about your experience, because I do think it is amazing that you have a Black-led 
organization that is doing extremely well, that is mission-driven, focused on social impact, and doing such amazing things, particularly in the technology space and management space. And you even talked about the work that you're doing around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'd love to hear from you about how that experience has been. How has it shaped you into the leader that you are today, your role within an organization? How does it allow you to show up in different spaces, particularly when they are not as welcoming as you would think they should be? I'd love to hear about your experience within all of that and just any sorts of words of wisdom or advice that you might offer for other CEOs of organizations um, that are in a similar space. I appreciate the kind words and I genuinely appreciate the question. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for 27 years and as an African-American man in business, I say this very humbly. So take this in the way it's intended. You know, I've been extremely blessed as have you. I mean, you know, MIT is our common thread. I've gone to Oxford. I've won a Rhodes Scholarship. You know, I've got five academic degrees. In that regard, I consider myself a bit of a litmus test. So what if you sent a highly educated, highly credentialed African-American out into the business world? What would that experience look like? Well, I have the experience. And despite all of what I bring to the table, it's been rough. It's been a tough road. It's been a very difficult road. And for a variety of reasons, among them, you know, the, the difficulties in getting access to capital as an entrepreneur, the difficulty in fostering relationships to more powerful, influential individuals that make the real decisions of who gets the deal and who doesn't get the deal. The perceptions almost implicitly of what we can and can't do as a black owned organization and constantly having to dispel the myth or the perception or overcome the stereotype that we can't compete with the likes of a Deloitte or a McKinsey or a Boston Consulting Group where the list goes on. And I don't say that as a complaint. I say that just to keep it real, that I've enjoyed every single step of this journey. I mean, I love what I do. I love the mission driven. and I've loved the partnership that I've had with three other black men, Lawrence Hibbert, Dallas Grundy, and Jeffrey Robinson. I mean, we are like new edition with no Bobby Brown. <laughs> And it's nothing but love amongst the four of us. I mean, I have the deepest respect and admiration for those gentlemen and for our executive team at BCT, which is predominantly African-American. But I can't ignore the fact that it's been a very difficult road and that I see it as my responsibility, my obligation to make it easier for the next generation of social entrepreneurs, social innovators who follow in our footsteps. You know, BCT has been an experiment with the double bottom line, making a profit and making a difference. You know, uh, financial return on investment and social return on investment. And we've learned a lot that we hope that our example to your opening question can be a light for others that say, you don't have to just go for the money. You don't just have to go for the social impact. You can do both and you can do it with dignity, honor, respect, and you can do it as an African-American and still be successful despite any challenges or obstacles that may come your way. Thank you so much for sharing that, Randall. And I'm talking about that double bottom line. Again, Randall, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your insights that 
are not only just visionary from where I'm sitting, but it, they're also practical. You're sharing steps as to what leaders themselves can do to be successful in their own organizations and in spaces in which their organizations work. And you're allowing them to help build their organizations bravely. So I just want to thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Nicole, for the invitation to be a part of the discussion. And also, thanks to you for all of what you're doing to lift up diverse voices, to lift up important topics for the nonprofit community. Uh, we appreciate you for what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nonprofit Buildup. To access the show notes, additional resources, and information on how you can work with us, please visit our website at buildupadvisory.com. We invite you to listen again next week as we share another episode about scaling impact by building infrastructure and capacity in the nonprofit sector. Keep building bravely.